go to Calvary Chapel to come to our church for Easter. If there's people that are in fellowship, if they're in a church, you want to let them to, to go where they go and let them bring their friends to that service. But you want to bring people who aren't connected with a church, who either don't know Jesus, who are outside right now and who, who need love. So three weeks away, let's be praying and thinking about how we can do that. And, uh, and so obviously I'm not Jesse this morning. So I'm just me. Jesse's off, so I get to do the announcements this morning. But um, so we want to really uh, be thinking about Easter coming up. But with that, there's a couple of, of, of announcements. Um, we're trying to spruce up the place for Easter. So if anyone has some time, they'd like to come and donate and do some raking and cleaning up over the next you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks, um, that would be great. Um, we've got lots of things to do outside, and we even have some projects inside if anyone's got some, some skills. Um, so there's some things to get done over the next few weeks. You don't have to come and give a whole day. Even if you have just a couple of hours, we want to clean up the playground. Um, we're going to pull out the, the tables from the, the shed and we put out on the, on the patio and just get things, kind of get ready for the summer. Amen? So that's happening. In, in your uh, bulletin also connected with Easter is we have our 12th annual prayer walk. We've been doing this for 12 years. We uh, carry the cross and we pray for our valley. It happens on Good Friday, on, on Friday the 19th. Thank you. I'm like, what is that date? Uh, the 19th. Um, so all the information, uh, some of the information is in your bulletin. It's also on a flyer in the hallway. Um, we start about 10 o'clock in the morning and um, you know, usually it's about three hours. We stop along the way. Um, we have a little, uh, little refreshment over at Believer's Chapel. We just pray, pray as we go. Um, so love to see people. You don't have to do the whole walk. You can walk uh, any part of it. We walk from uh, the convention center um, down to Vaughn's is our first potty stop. And so you can walk in any of these legs or just show up at any one of these places. And we kind of walk over to Believer's Chapel, come back down to the boulevard, walk down the boulevard, mostly the boulevard, the whole way, stopping in front of uh, schools, in front of um, the sheriff's department, the fire department, praying for our city, praying for our kids, praying for this valley. Because we want to see, we want to see Jesus' name lifted high. We want to see his kingdom come. Remember the you know, Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what we want to see, that the kingdom of God would come to this valley. Because when the kingdom of God comes into my life, into your life, into the lives of people, things begin to change. That's what we need. We don't need more counseling. We don't need more sermons. We don't need more worship music. We need more of Jesus. Now, Jesus can be in all of those things, but those are not the end. The end is that we want Jesus and this valley desperately needs Jesus. This state desperately needs Jesus. I think we could all agree, most of us do not recognize this state and this country much anymore. Um, it's just amazing. But um, as, as we know, and, and that's a, another part time of prayer, uh, the National Day of Prayer is coming up. We're going to be focusing a lot on prayer because we need to be a people of prayer. Um, if my people who are called by my name will hunt themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face. Then will I hear from heaven. I'll heal, heal their land, forgive their sins. That's what we need. That's what this land needs. And so uh, I, I saw this, and, and that's what will truly make America great. Not a man, not a red hat, but his people praying and seeking his face turning from our own wicked ways amen so so this is this is the this is the time of year people are beginning to be open and thinking about
um, spiritual things. Um, so this is a great time. We're going we're gonna to be packed. We're going to pack out this place, and we're going to pray that every church in this valley is packed out on Easter, that everyone will get a chance to hear the awesome message of salvation that is found in no other name but Jesus Christ. Amen. Whew. I can't preach yet. All right. Um, another announcement, which this is, this is uh, you know, this is coming a close second for me, you know, today of, of Easter and Christ risen is, is that today after church, or, or this evening at 5 o'clock, we are um, celebrating and honoring my son and daughter's marriage, Matthew and Julia. They got married February 9th, and at 5 o'clock, uh, we're going to have a potluck, and everyone's invited to come. Uh, it's a Mexican theme. Just come and, and share some time and some food. Get to greet them. And I'm really blessed this morning because Julia's parents and my new good friends, Ron and B. Clement, are here this morning. And so, you know, I'm a really blessed man. I love my daughter-in-law, and I love her family. So we are incredibly blessed. So they came up to join us this morning, so let's welcome them too. Amen. And uh, so make sure you come out tonight at 5 o'clock. Have some, have some good fun. Um, another part of this tonight is that, you know, Matthew and Julia both graduated Life Pacific uh, College um, last May, and um, they are now moving on to their ministry in their life. They feel that they're called to go to um, Kansas City, Missouri, and to begin to start and work with and, and ministry there. And so they're going to be leaving, is it still May, right? At the end of May. And so this is also an opportunity just to kind of say goodbye because they're pretty busy down the hill with their church and, and their life and working and all those things. And so um, this is just going to be a great opportunity. And, and some of you don't know Matthew because he's been gone for a few years, but he's just been a, he's, he's just awesome. And so now you get to get to meet his awesome wife too. Amen. So that's today. That's the prayer walk. That is, uh, is there any other announcements? Who, who's my announcement person? Oh, yes. Um, thank you. Right now, uh, if we can get a couple guys, Jim, and maybe a couple guys, maybe Abel, help or someone, but we're going to pass out some books um, to you. These are, in fact, I'm going to take one, two. These are kind of Easter, not kind of, these are Easter devotionals. Um, reflections from Daily Bread. It's a tent, there's a couple of stories in here, and a 10-day um, reading plan that kind of prepares our heart for Easter. And so, um, next Sunday, we'll have these available again for those who don't get them. Um, but, you know, starting like maybe next week, um, 10 days before Easter, start reading these. Read something every day. Get ready, as, get our hearts ready to really understand what the season is about. Because we know that, you know, on Easter a couple thousand years ago, um, Jesus was buried in a tomb and a bunny rabbit came looking for a place to hide the eggs and rolled the stone away. <laughs> And that's how, right? <laughs> so, yeah, there, there was no bunny in the Easter story, um, but it is about Jesus. And so this is going to get our hearts and minds ready. Also, just an encouragement, um, around that time, and maybe we'll even do it here at the church, but um, if you've never seen The Passion of the Christ, sometime the week before Easter... Watch the Passion of the Christ. Watch the Jesus. Watch, uh, you, you know, get it. Do, do some things to help us really relate and get an understanding of what Christ did for you and for me. Amen. It's, it's a powerful, powerful time. Um, I have been absolutely transformed and changed by what Jesus did for me. Um, 
Amen? Absolutely. You know, I, yeah, I'm not going to go. I'll give my testimony another time. But um, we want to we, we want to just uh, focus on that. So there's a little little, little gift for you and, and um, to, to just help that time go. I think that is about all the announcements. We're going to receive an offering. Um, hey, if you haven't gone back, go back and take a look. The men's restroom is finally done. Woo! Amen. Claude and I this week, uh, we did the last part. We uh, installed the partitions. And so now you can go potty in safety and uh, security and all that good stuff. Uh, it was good good timing. This week we had New Life Drama Team staying here. Um, and, uh, and so they got to use the shower because we have a shower in the men's restroom. And so they had, a, you know, they had the partitions up for that, so that was really good. And then, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, we also have our own Abe who's been staying here for a couple days. And I, I don't think he's going to mind I say this. Abraham is, is homeless right now, and he's looking for a place. And so he's been staying here. He's been staying in his truck for about a month. And uh, so he's showering here, and he's been staying here. So if there's somebody in the body of Christ who can help him, um, he, he had work, and the work ended, so he's now looking for work, and he is looking for a room to rent. He has a daughter up here. He has part, he has, she shares custody, and uh, he's, he's trying to get back on his feet. So if anyone's got a room or, or a job or some work, um, Abe's, he d- doesn't stand out very much, so it's hard to see him in any crowd. But if you want, just go ahead and turn around and see if you can figure out which one it might be in the back. Go ahead and give us a little wave there, Abe. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, so anyways. Uh, he, I don't think he fits in a twin bed. You know, I don't know if, I think he's six foot eight. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to believe that, that God's going to change that situation as he's totally pressing into the Lord. And one of these days, we're going to have him share some of his testimony. He's been a, a, a bodyguard and a bouncer for some, uh, some people in Hollywood and, 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 and bouncers in different places. And when God got a hold of him, he, he left all that. He, he, he left those scenes. He doesn't want to work. I mean, obviously, this guy could get a, a job at a bar being a bouncer, right? I mean, he just... Um, he doesn't want that scene anymore. He's just dedicating his life wholly to the Lord. He doesn't want to do it. So anyways, um, it's exciting. Lives are being changed by the power of God. Amen. All right, so we're going to receive an offering so that we can continue to do things in this valley and reach the lost uh, and be a place that we can help people on their journey. Remember, we're now the, the Journey Church. We're going to get our sign up soon. Um, but the reason why we're the journey is because we realize we're on a journey and everybody's on a journey and we want to help everyone we come in contact with grow closer to Jesus on this journey. So let's pray for the offering and then get into, our, into the word today. God, we thank you so much for everything that you've done. We also thank you, God, for who you are. Father, this morning, there is a need for provision, God, in people's lives, even in the, in the, in the need of the church, in the life of the church. God, we pray that you would provide for us financially. God, I pray that by faith, we would be able to give uh, into the offering today, God, and trust you that you will continue to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory, that you would bless the offering. God, as a congregation, you would help us, um, God, to, to usher in the kingdom of God so that the kingdom of God would be established in this place, in this city, throughout the state, nation, and throughout the world where we're connected in missions. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 And, you know, we usually put sign up there. You can also 
text to give, um, or you can do it online or text to give. So if you forgot your wallet this morning, just find somebody's phone that's next to you, pick that up, and go ahead and give like you've always wanted to give. Amen. Amen. We are definitely um, in a in a digital digital age. Um, even even me being an old guy. I'm using Venmo to transfer money back and forth to people, and and um, in in our church, you know, Big Bear tends to be a little bit behind the times, right? I mean, some of you are like, "Huh? Don't worry." <laughs> Big Bear tends to be a little bit behind the time, but even in our church, um, already about 20% of our giving happens online. About 20%. The average in churches is getting uh, near fifth, about 50%. Most churches are at 50% of their giving is now digital, electronic. Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy. Some of you guys won't ever, you know, do that online, but uh, but I, 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 I'm doing it. I'm enjoying uh, being able to to get money and give money on apps like Venmo and things. My, you know, my son, you know, they, they send me money on Venmo and it's kind of fun. Venmo is a way to transfer money from one person to another for free. Just for this, just a little app. You just, you just so you go out, you, know, you go out to lunch with somebody, and, um, and 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 now there's no excuse if you have a smartphone. Oh, did we actually not? Oh, is it Benevolent Sunday? Okay, let's do that at the end. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, v e n m o v e n m o. Anyways, uh, so you go out to lunch, and you can no longer say, "Sorry, guy, I don't have any money," and you get a free meal. They'll say, "Well, Venmo me the money." So. <laughs> Venmo. There's other ways too. Anyways, kind of fun. I'm trying to keep up. It's uh, yeah. There it is. And um, our our we're still working on the website, but you are welcome to go look at it. It is uh we we may change the the name or add another name, but right now it is thejourneychurchbigbear.com. And uh, we're, we're up and running. We got some pictures and things going on there. And we're starting to put our, our events and things like that on there. Getting kind of fun. We're in the book of Genesis this morning. <sighs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into the word this morning, we just pray that you would, uh, you would bless it and breathe through it. God, I pray that you would um, encourage each of us. God, as we learn things, Lord, but also as, as we learn principles and understanding of how you want us to live. God, I pray that we'd each be able to take something away from this message and apply it to our life, God. Let it not just be head knowledge, God, um, but let it be transformational. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are going to fly this morning. I'm looking and I'm like, okay, we're covering eight chapters, about 28 years, in 26 minutes. So we'll go about a year, a minute, and we'll be done. Um, we're we're going to we're we're kind of finishing up. We're not going through the book of Genesis. We're talking about people in the Bible. So we've been talking about Abraham, and I want to finish up Abraham this week. And so we're going to have to get all the way to Genesis chapter twenty-two to talk about the story that we all know. Abraham is one of the most um, known. Uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac is the big story today. It's one of the most known Bible stories. You know, we think of Noah and Moses in the Red Sea, and and uh, you know, we think of Joshua and the Jericho, and we think of David and Goliath. But we also know that Abraham 
um, is tested and challenged to sacrifice a son. We're going to catch up to all that and go through that this morning. But did you know that not just the Jews and Christianity uh, look to this same story, but this same story is also in the Quran? Because the Muslims know Father Abraham, and they know that, that um, Abraham was tested to sacrifice his son. And so we, we share a lot in common um, with, with the religions. That, and, and this is where it's really fun. I don't want to go off on this, but people want to disregard the Bible all over the place. Yet our society today wants to lift up Islam and, and, and Muslims. But they want to attack Christians for our silly beliefs and how could we believe the Bible. You know, we have some things in common with the Muslims that we believe the Old Testament. And the first, you know, a lot of the Old Testament, they also adhere to or at least the beginning. And so um, this is not just stories in a book. This is history. If you were to grow up in the Middle East, these people, these places are not just uh, fairy tales. They're actually the history of multiple groups of people in the Middle, Middle East. And, of course, the Jews find their history right here. And so we're going to start this morning in Genesis 15. And I'm just going to kind of go chapter by chapter and hit some, some big points so that we can hear this buildup uh, on the way to chapter 22. Now, remember, I've been talking about Abraham for a few weeks now and that Abraham did not have perfect faith, remember? He did not have perfect faith, but he failed. But every time Abraham failed, he failed toward faith. He never backed off from God. He kept pressing in. And we're going to see him make some more mistakes even in the next few chapters. But he is known as the father of faith. He, he leads us and gives us an example of following God and trusting in him. Remember, he was called to come out of, of Ur of the Chaldeans. He went up to Haran and he came down into what the, the promised land eventually would become the promised land into Canaan. He's, he goes down to, to Egypt for a while, comes back up. We've already covered these things. And now he's going to be, he's hanging out here in Canaan and, and some of these names will be popping up, uh, Hebron. And um, so these names will be p popping up as we continue to go through the Bible. So, so we already know of some of his things. Remember, he also took Lot, who he wasn't supposed to take because Lot was part of his father's household. And so now he's got Lot with him, and, they're, and they've just separated. So here we are in chapter 15. Okay. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I want to receive that word for me today, and you can receive it too. God is your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said this, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? So Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. This is a big deal to Abram. This is a big deal to uh, the people groups in the Middle East of having an heir and having a family. The firstborn son is so important because when you have a, a, a family line, the firstborn son, he actually inherits such a big portion that he continues to keep the family together and become the patriarch of the family. Abraham is rich, rich rich. He's got a lot of money. He's got his camels and his donkeys and his lands and his gold and his silver. He's got all this stuff. And he's like, what good is it? 
I don't have anyone to inherit it. He doesn't have the idea that says, you know, I'm just going to spend everything on me. It's about I'm going to leave an inheritance. And so the Lord then talks to him and says, um, well, let's just keep reading. Verse 5, he brought him outside. The Lord brought him outside. Okay, verse 4, this one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you can. And he said, This shall be your descendants. And so this is a very famous verse found also in the New Testament. And verse 6, And he believed, Abraham believed in the Lord, and God accounted it to him or credited to him as righteousness. So this is the promise, not that just he's going to inherit the land, but that Abraham is going to have offspring so numerous that you can't count them. This is that, that beginning of the promise. That's really exciting. I, I have a feeling that after Abraham got that, that word, he went into Sarah and said, Hey, Sarah, guess what? God said we're going to have a lot of kids. Let's get busy. Right? And so, so right, if that's the promise. And so actually I think that's probably what happened. And so Abraham said, Hey, God's going to give us kids. And so they probably got busy trying to have kids. But we find out they have none. They, they, they're, they're, they're trying to have children, and that doesn't happen for a while. Now, verse, and that's basically kind of what's happening uh, in, in chapter 15. There's this uh, um, covenant that God makes with Abram, but I don't want to hit that. We're going to move to chapter 16 and, and, and just barely hit that even. Chapter 16, Sarah's got, um, Sarah has a handmaiden from Egypt. Okay, remember, Abram went to Egypt, and we don't find that God called him to Egypt. We found that he was supposed to be in Canaan, that there, there was a famine, and so he fled to Egypt. And, and we really believe that he wasn't supposed to go to Egypt, but now he did. He comes back because he, he gets it. He, he was wrong, and he never returns to Egypt again. But he has this Egyptian maidservant. And I, and I was thinking about this going, oh, had he not gone to Egypt, maybe he wouldn't have her because here's a bad thing about to happen. Sarah, who wants a child, goes to him and says, listen, Abraham, we don't have any children. Take my maidservant, Hagar, and have a child for me through her. Now, we go, what? You know, I'm not going to go and go to Mrs. Kravitz across the street and say, Mrs. Kravitz, come over and have a baby. You know, right? That, none of you would do that. But this is a custom in the Old Testament in the, in the ancient times that you could actually have a woman get pregnant for you. And literally, at di different places, the woman would give birth onto the, the, the mother's knees. And, and by actually giving birth to the woman and the, and the baby would land on, in this case, Sarah's knees, it would become her child. That's the theory behind it. Um, but so Sarah gets this idea. Abraham is an idiot and he agrees to it. Can you say idiot in church? I hope so. Because he agrees to this and this is about to cause problems. You know, so, so pretty soon, so, so Hagar's pregnant, Sarah's not. Abraham's going, well, man, I get to have a kid. And Hagar, the Egyptian maidservant, begins to despise Sarah. Sarah's angry and actually literally casts her out and, 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 uh, and sends her away. God sees her and he told her to return. And, and that's kind of what happens in 16. So now we've got Abraham fathering, um, who's, who's going to turn out to be, his name is Ishmael. Ishmael through Hagar, the Egyptian maidservant. Okay, not good. 
this is not a good situation. Um, and that's pretty much chapter 16. Like I said, we're, we're, this is a real flyby, so we can get to 22, but there's a couple things in here that we need to, we need to hit. Um, verse chapter 17. Abram was 99 years old. Remember, he left. He left at 75. He, uh, in, verse, in chapter 17, he was 86 when Ishmael was born. 75, he left. He has Ishmael when he's 86. That's about 11 years later. No, no promise for 11 years. Now he's 99, so it's 13 more years later. Okay? Ishmael is, is a teenager. Whew, that's a tough one. Abram was about 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and God talked to him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you should be a father of many nations. This is right where God changes his name to Abraham. You'll no longer be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. And then he also says, um, I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make you, I'll, I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. But let's look at verse 5 here. This is so important. I've read this. I did not see this until this time, uh, reading through it. And I've already read this whole section about 10 times, and it wasn't until this reading this week. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Okay, this is future, right? Your name shall be. It's going to be. I'm decreeing it. Um, in, in, in 6, it says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Go back to 5. Second part of five, after he says, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I read through it every time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I have made you a nation. See, God decrees something from the beginning of time, and that's our purpose. That's what we're supposed to walk in. We haven't seen it yet, but he's decreeing, and he's telling Abram, I have made you a father of nations. These things will happen in your life, but I have already made you. He tells us the same thing. I have already made you. Not just create us. He has a plan and a purpose and something awesome that he has destined you for. And it's a done deal. You just have to walk in it. I just have to walk in it. He did this before Abram ever answered the call. This was something that was done from the foundation because God knows the end from the beginning and he has a plan for you and a plan for me. And this, I, I could just say amen and just bask in this all day. We need to begin to realize that God has made us for a purpose, for something. And if you aren't walking in it yet, you need to get close to God so he can reveal what it is and you can walk into it with all your might. It's powerful. I have made you a father of many nations. So this covenant is for Abram, and it's not to be with Ishmael. The Lord makes that very clear, that he says it's going to be the son of promise is going to come from you, and it's going to come from Sarah. Chapter 18. The Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. So these three men 
are, are, are walking by. Abram sees them, and he, Abraham now, Abraham sees them, and he goes over, and he greets them, and they greet him back. I don't know if Abraham has any clue of who this is or not. Uh, it's really vague here, but this is not three men, and this is actually not three angels. This is God. This is God, and I believe it's God and two angels. God and two angels. Um, because in the, at some point, the, um, he starts talking as God himself, and then part of this deal is that they're about to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. So these three guys are going by. They go by Abram. He stops, and he says, won't you come in and eat with me? And then, you know, I was thinking, this, if I did this to Shannon, she would just kill me. I'm like, hey, hey, no problem, strangers. Come on in, and my wife is going to make you lunch right now. And she could go kill an animal, and she's gonna milk a cow, and she's gonna do, and she's gonna, she's gonna bake some bread. She's not gonna go to, the, you know, the community market because it's the closest store and buy all this stuff. She's gonna slaughter the cow, and she's gonna milk it. She's gonna make bread, and that's a long lunch, I tell you. So this is all happening, and they're and they're spending time together. And God says in this chapter, He says, "Should I keep from Abraham what I'm about to do? He's gonna be the father of many nations." And so he begins to lay out the plan. Listen, the cry from Sodom and Gomorrah has come up to us, and they are wicked, wicked people. And we're going to go down there, and, and we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram's like, wow, I, go, I, I saved my nephew. My nephew lives in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember a couple chapters ago? You know, he had to go and fight and, and rescue Lot, and now God's going to go destroy the whole area, including Lot again. And so Abram's like, wait, wait, God? If I can be so bold, if there are 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you destroy it? And, and, and God says, no, for the sake of 50 righteous, I won't destroy the city. He says, I've been bold. How about 45? There's 45. I, I can almost hear the reverse bitter. Hey, 45, 45, 45. How about 40, 40, 40? And he starts counting down going 45. How about for 40? How about for 30? How about for 20? How about for 10? He intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah, saying, what if there's just 10 righteous people? But he doesn't go from, I mean, he, 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 each time. I don't know if a kid's ever done that with you. If someone's done with you, kind of like a little bit at a time. After a while, you just get tired. Come on. He, he, that's what Abraham does with, with God. 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And God says, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy the city. Now, when you go and you read a little bit, a little bit further in, in chapter 19, it says, this is, this is really cool. If you've missed this, how many people are at the tent with Abraham? Three. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom. Oh, what happened? One was God and the two were angels. The two angels come to Sodom and, and they're going to stay out in the square. Anyways, Lot finds us and says, no, come to my house. And this town is bad, so they go with Lot to his house. The people from Sodom and Gomorrah surround the house. Hope we don't have any, any kids in here. Thinking, honestly, because it's... And, and they're like, hey, we saw that some guys, some foreigners have come to your house. Bring them out so we can have sex with them. This is the Bible. Can they talk like that? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. And he's like, no way. And Lot is such a good guy. He says, no way, Jose. I have two virgin daughters. Why don't you take them instead? He gets the dad of the year award. So they're like, you know what? We're going to take them and we're going to take you and we're going to have sex with you. This is crazy stuff. 
And so the angels pull Lot inside the house because the guys are going to bust down the door. He can't make them go blind. Anyways, and the angel like, we're done. No more. We're going to destroy the city. Get all your family, and we're leaving. So this is what this is kind of what's happening with Lot. That's what's happening in Genesis chapter 19, and and we know um, that uh, Lot takes his wife and his two daughters. They're actually they're actually betrothed in marriage, which when you realize that he just offered them up to the city people is another. I mean, this just gets worse. They're betrothed. The 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 fiancés they think he's crazy and doesn't. They don't want to come. So Lot, his wife, and two daughters they flee the city. And um, I guess it was always, uh, you know, Lot's wife's desire to be um, upstanding in her community because she just wanted to be a pillar. And so she stopped, looked back, and she gets turned into a pillar of salt. And she dies, and the whole area gets wasted, just becomes a wasteland. And that's the story of Lot. Aren't you glad that Abraham took Lot with him so that he could go through all that? Crazy. So we're coming back. Whoo, this, I just, I, the, 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 um, so we're going to come back to Abraham. So, so Abraham, though, the point I want to really narrow in on this is that Abraham had the audacity to talk to God and to say, hey, wait, I know you have a plan, but what about? And he intercedes. Now, he doesn't tell God what to do, so we can learn from this. We don't tell God what to do, but it's absolutely okay to say, hey, God, what about? And begin to question. God is not so weak that you can't question him. Some people feel they can't question God. You know, no, just accept it. It's okay, question him. Be ready for the answer. Be ready for the answer. The answer might come very powerfully. He does that sometimes. You know, Job questioned him, and finally God says, you're going to question me? Get ready, I'm going to answer you. But it's okay. He's not afraid of your, of your, your lack of faith. He's not afraid if you have questions. And, and he loves it, actually. I believe he loves it when we intercede for other people. So Abraham is interceding for, for Sodom and Gomorrah. And now, God has a, has a will, and I think that um, we, we know that his, his will is, is perfect. Uh, so when we intercede, often what it is is us just finally hearing from the Spirit to, to line up with what the, what the Spirit wants. God knew there was not ten righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew there wasn't ten righteous. He knew it was going to happen. But see, we learned something about God's justice and righteousness. For the sake of ten, he wouldn't destroy the city. Remember a number of years ago, it was real popular to say, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. The reason I, I, I really did not like that slogan was because, no, it's not. Because there's a lot more than ten righteous in America. Tr- try a hundred million or fifty million who love God, who who send money to missions, this nation is still flooded with righteous people. I'm looking at more than ten righteous in this room. Not perfect, I don't think. No. But righteous who've called on Jesus. So yeah, that that that's you know, is, judgment may may come, but it's not the same as Sodom Gore. There wasn't even ten righteous in the whole place. God help us. So the son of promise. So, so the son of promise is going to be Isaac. It's not going to be. And so in chapter 18, the God and the, and the angels, they have the conversation. And they're like, Abraham, 
your wife is going to have a baby. She's 90 years old. Abraham's 99. Sarah hears this. She laughs. Then gets, hey, why did you laugh? He goes, I didn't laugh. You know, and they say, yeah, you laughed. You know, and, and, I, and I've, I, I'm looking at a few people in their, in their 70s and 80s in this room today, and if I came up to one of you and said, hey, mom, you're going to have another baby. <laughs> Vicki, you're going to get pregnant next year. She's going to be like, <laughs> she would laugh too. She would laugh too. So we find that the promise is going to come through this child. It's going to be Isaac. And Abraham's like, you're crazy, God. Why can't it be Ishmael? He's already, you know, he's already here. He's 13 years old. And God says he's going to be a great nation, but my promise is going to come through Isaac. Quickly on that, Hagar and, and Ishmael end up, he sends them off. He sends them off, and they do become a great nation. And the Arab nation comes through the line of Ishmael. But the son of promise is Isaac. A year later, Sarah has the baby, and she names him Isaac, which means laughter, or he makes me laugh. You know, that's his name, Isaac. That's what Isaac means. It means laughter because it was pretty funny. I could just see her at the hall going, yeah, guess what, girls? I'm pregnant! <laughs> Isaac is born in chapter 21. In, in, in chapter 19, God establishes the covenant of circumcision. He says, this is going to be my covenant. All of your males shall be circumcised. And that establishes something that was different from the rest of the world. God's people would be circumcised. So Abraham gets circumcised. Ishmael gets circumcised. All, everyone gets circumcised. And then from then on, babies at eight days old in the Jewish, they were all circumcised. The, the covenant, part of the covenant was to say you're going to be different from the rest of the world. That's the call to us as Christians. We're supposed to be different. We're not necessarily supposed to dress differently. You know, some people think that they're supposed to dress differently and, and, and wear funny hats and things. I know, that's not what he's saying, but he says we're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to have something in us that is contrary to the rest of society. If you have people in your life that you've known for a, for a while, as this has happened to me when I was really young in the Lord, the worst thing ever somebody had said to me is, is that somebody that I knew decently from school and around came to me and they found out I was a Christian and they, they, they said the worst thing that the, anyone could ever say to me, I didn't know you were a Christian. And why was that the worst? Because I was hiding my light so well that people who spent day after day around me didn't know that I was a Christian. I wasn't living different enough. Now, no, no, don't you love the opposite? When finally you, somebody maybe you've met and you've hung around with for a little while uh, finds out you're a Christian, they go, I knew there was something different about you. Now, we don't always like that. Like, that's like, what does that mean? I mean, how, how am I different? But, but they recognize that there's something different about you. That's what we, we should be different from the rest of the world. I don't think we should be weird. I've got the corner market on that. But we need to be different from the rest of society, that we should stand out. We should be people of honor. We should be people of character, of morals. We should be people that are sacrificing. All the, these are the things that should mark us as Christians. And I tell you, a lot of the world doesn't live with those things. 
So we want to be people who are different. So that's the, the part of the covenant for us is we want to be different. So the, the covenant of circumcision is given. And so Isaac is born. He is circumcised eight days. And he's now growing up. Now, we're, that was all pretty good. Now I'm gonna, we're going to go a little late because I'm going to hit chapter 22. Talk about Isaac. So we don't know how old Isaac is by chapter 22. We think that he's very young teens, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Okay, we're, we're not positive. Scholars just think that. I should say, I agree with scholars who are smarter than me, and they say he's probably around 12, 13 himself now. I mean, Ishmael's gone. And here it says in uh, chapter 22, It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. He didn't tempt him, but he tests him. We need to know that, that we will walk through tests, and some of these tests are going to be really hard. Now, if you remember a few weeks back, I talked about Abraham had some fears. He, he was fear of dying, but you can also see he's got a fear that he wasn't going to have a descendant. And that fear really ruled him. He made wrong choices because of these two fears. And now he's got a promise that he is going to be the father of nations, and it's going to be through Isaac. Isaac is the chosen one. So remember, even as he announced it just in the last chapter, two couple chapters ago, God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because he was afraid. Abraham has a fear that this isn't going to, he's not going to have a descendant. This is not going to happen. And so it says, come to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, good way to answer God is here I am. And he said, take now, listen to this, verse 2, take now your son. Now, Ishmael's gone. He's been gone for 12 years or so. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, in case there's any confusion. And, and the word in, in the Hebrew is yakid. It's, it's, it's very special. This is like, this is it. He's the heir. He is it. It's the same word they would give to Jesus, being God's only son in the Hebrew. Here I am. Take now your son, your only son. Let's rub some salt into it. The one that you love so much. Guys, is there something that you love in this life? Is there something you really love a lot? Well, most of us have it. Some people love, love uh, a person. Some people love their job. Uh, some people, uh, people love their, their addiction. Take your son, only son, whom you love, Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Thank you, Lord. Let that sink in. I promise you I'm going to do this, Abraham. Trust me. Have faith. This is going to happen. And now it's like it's almost happening. He's a young man now, getting close to that bar mitzvah age. And God says, now that you really can see, I mean, he's really close to becoming a man and going to start having you grandbabies, sacrifice your son. Offer him as a sacrifice. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and he went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go over yonder and worship, and we will come 
back to you. Abraham takes the wood. He, <laughs> he lays it on Isaac. This is one of the reasons we also think that Isaac is, is, is older. Okay. How much wood does it take? Don't start going with a woodchuck. How much wood? <laughs> Some of you went there. You did. How much wood is it going to take to do a burnt sacrifice of a human being? It's probably not three or four logs. It's a good amount of wood. And he puts it on Isaac, and Isaac carries it up the hill. Okay? Isaac is not a four-year-old. He's a young man. He's a young man. And they go up the mountain along the way. Isaac says, Father, here I am, son. I see the fire. I see the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together. They go up. They find the rock. They put the wood on it. And Abraham ties up his son and he puts them on the wood. There's a lot of speculation in here, but Abraham is about 110, 112 years old. And you got a, a, a 13, 14, 12, 13, 14 year old boy. I should have had Andrew come in here. Andrew is Josh and Sarah's son, who's now six foot. He's taller than me, which is scary. And say, you know, and then and maybe get, you know, so is a 110-year-old man going to be able to subdue this 12, 13, 14-year-old? Probably not. But Isaac allows it to happen. I don't even know what's going on. It's, it's bizarre. And he's ready to sacrifice his son. Now, it, the word says slaughter. And what that would mean is that he was, he was about to take the knife and probably not plunge it into him. He's probably going to cut his neck. That's how you would kill a sacrificial animal going to slice the neck of his son and he's just about to do that and the angel says wait God says wait I know that I can tell that you love me that you fear me that you honor me and right then he finds there's a, a ram in the thicket they take it's caught in the thicket they take it and they sacrifice it and that's the, and, and this is this is what's happening here listen I want to go back and hit some of these important points in this this is a crazy story but we see some things happening, and, and, and in no particular order, but well, how about just in chronological order? Abra God says to Abraham, you're going to take your son, you're going to sacrifice him. A couple chapters ago, God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham said, wait, what about 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10? He interceded. Another time God says, I'm going to do this for you. And Abraham said, wait. I don't have any kids. Now time he's talking with God, and Abraham says, God, Eleazar is going to inherit my stuff. Abraham is not afraid to talk to God, even to come and say, wait, what about this? And I don't see it recorded here. It's interesting, huh, Matthew? You ever thought about that one? Oh, good. Yeah, it's hard to get the Bible college student to find something he hasn't learned yet. Abraham, it doesn't say that he even interceded. He took by faith that God was going to do something and he just submitted himself to the will of God. Keep your hand there real quick. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 17. This is the faith chapter, the hall of faith. A lot of it's about Abraham, starting in verse 17. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises 
offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Listen, verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. In other words, Abraham had so much faith that he just trusted that even if God had to raise him from the dead, that, that he was going to trust God and be faithful to what God was calling him to. But, but there's a, this whole thing about raising him from the dead, nobody's been raised from the dead yet. Nobody's been raised from the dead. You know, at least in Jesus' times, there's already been a few people who's been raised from the dead. There has never been somebody raised from the dead, but Abraham's faith said, even if he's going to raise him from the dead, I'm going to trust in God. I've never seen an answer like this. There has not an answer been recorded in history, in the history of the word, but I'm just going to trust that God can do something, and I am not even going to question God about this one. Holy moly. The faith of Abraham. We can grow and say, God, this is you. You're teaching me this. You're telling this, and I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do it. There's a couple of things we can, we can do in this. One, we can lean hard on the promises of God. Lean hard on the promise of God. He even, at, at one point, he told his, his, his uh, uh, servants, stay here. The boy and I are going over there to worship, and we will return. He is holding on hard to the promise that says, through your seed, Isaac, I'm going to do something. So even when they left, he said, I'm going to hold on to this promise. Somehow Isaac is coming back with me. We need to trust on the promises of God. Let me give a couple real quick, because I need to really wrap this up. The Lord says that I am the Lord. I do not change. That's a good promise to keep, to remember, to press hard into. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's been faithful before. He'll be faithful again. Hold on to the promises of God. Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always. You're never alone. We hang on to the promises because things get dark. God leads us through times, brings us on our journeys through dark perilous times at times and we are tested and when we are being tested I tell you it's hard to to have faith it's hard to continue to trust I heard it this way not only is it hard to trust it's hard it's almost impossible to to keep that trust it's just so difficult but you hold on to the promises of God Hold on to the promises. Lean hard onto the promises of the past. You also look at the track record of God, how he's been faithful, and say if he's the same yesterday and today and forever, he will see me through this. We can learn that we can be faithful. Number two, we can learn to be faithful. No matter how hard it is, we need to go all the way with God. Be faithful to what he calls you to do. Go all the way. It, it's, it's hard not to doubt, but press in. Remember his promise. Remember his track record and be faithful. Think about John the Baptist. John, John the Baptist, he's inside his mother's womb. Jesus comes in, in in his mommy's womb, and John the Baptist jumps for joy. John grew up probably with Jesus. He knew. 
he knew something and when he was baptizing he had this following he was baptizing the Jordan he sees Jesus he says look behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world I'm not even able to untie his sandal strap he's got so much glory when his disciples started leaving him they're like John your disciples are leaving they're going with Jesus John said listen I must decrease he must increase he gets arrested for calling out uh, the, the leader for, for wanting to have sexual relationships with the wrong people and he gets thrown in prison and John the Baptist who was so sure of who Jesus was absolutely convinced sends word to his disciples with his disciples to Jesus are you really it are you really the one why because in our dark times we lose faith it happens we need to bolster ourselves up we need to surround ourselves with people who will walk with us in those times reminding ourselves to, of the promise of God and to be faithful. And then we need to keep our, our ears open, our eyes open, our hearts open to see what the big picture is. There is a big picture that's happening here and that this picture goes all the way to the New Testament and, and Abraham has no idea about all the ramifications in this, in this chapter 22. There needed to be a sacrifice that day. There needed to be a sacrifice and it wasn't going to be Isaac. Abraham's faith was tested but but God provided the sacrifice in lieu of Isaac see because of our sin church all of us are supposed to die every one of us in this room is supposed to die because of our sin Bible says that there is no one righteous no not one and that the wages of that sin is death somebody something has to die this just has to happen. God is showing through this that he will provide the substitute sacrifice for us. He provided the ram as a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. He provided Jesus Christ as a substitute sacrifice for us. Leviticus 17.11 says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sins. Something has to die. And we found that the Old Testament sacrifices, up until the time of Jesus, they kept making them every year, every year, every year. Why? Because they didn't actually wipe out the sins. They just carried them over to the next year. Even the sacrifices couldn't forgive sins, and they sacrificed a lot of animals in that temple. It wasn't until Jesus came for the remission, for the removal of our sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. There had to be a sacrifice. They called that mountain, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. That mountain is called Moriah. Many years later, they would rename that mountain and they would change the name from Moriah and they would build a city on that mountain on part of that mountain range and that city would be a fortress and they would be able to see when enemies were coming up and they would build walls around it to be a place that of peace and a piece of protection on Mount Moriah does anyone know what that city was called Jerusalem on the same mountain that Isaac was offered as a sacrifice that God showed his faithfulness in providing a sacrifice for Isaac Jerusalem was built 
And just outside the gates of Jerusalem, there's a hill, and that hill is called Golgotha. It's called Calvary, and that's where Jesus Christ was sacrificed for our sin. And everybody knows that this is a holy, holy place. Today, you can go there. The temple is gone. There is one wall that still stands, the Wailing Wall, that was part of the temple. But today, there is, a, there is no Jewish temple, but there is a mosque there. And you've seen it in many pictures. It's got the gold dome, many of them do, and it's called the Dome of the Rock. And that that is a a Muslim high place. Well, something that I just learned. You know why they call it the Dome of the Rock? Because inside of that dome where you and I can never go, because we're not Muslim, is a rock. Pretty simple. And you know what that rock is? The rock where Abraham offered Isaac is in the Dome of the Rock. That place is a holy place because it symbolizes everything. But we know that, that the, the sacrifice of Isaac was only a symbol to say what Jesus would do for you and for me. And for those friends and family members and our neighbors who don't know him, Jesus allowed himself to be given as the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. For any situation you're going through also, you need to know this. The word Jehovah Jireh does mean the Lord will provide, but the Jewish word Jireh actually comes from a root that means to see. To see. See, that ram didn't just get caught in the thicket. God saw ahead of time the need that was going to be needed, and he had that ram get stuck beforehand. Because when it was time, it was already there, stuck in the thicket. God is the God who will provide for you and for me because he sees your need before you see it. And he's going to cause the provision to be there. And spiritually, he provided that long before you came to Christ. He provided that sacrifice before you knew you needed it. He provided Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. He saw your need. He saw my need. He knew that by 15 years old, I would be, have been smoking my dope and getting drunk and dabbling in Satanism and that I needed a Savior. And he provided it long before I really fully understood what that was about. If you're here today it's, it's, and, and you've never received the sacrificial lamb, the one who took your place to forgive your sins, today's the day. Don't wait. It's just about relying on his sacrifice for you in a prayer like this. If that's you, I encourage you to pray something like this. God, I can't die for my own sin. I can't have forgiveness outside of you. I understand that, God, you sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for me, to be the one who could remove my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you for what Jesus did for me as a sacrifice. Help me to be like Abraham who lives hard after you and rests on your promises. From this day forward, I want to commit myself afresh to you and follow you. For the rest of us, I pray that you've got something out of this message where we can commit ourselves freshly to him. That we can follow hard and lean hard on the promises of God and be faithful no matter what and, and be open to, because God is always doing way more than we think he is. Let's, 
Let's close in prayer. God, we are so short-sighted, but we pray this morning that you would give us faith like Abraham to trust you, to trust you to fulfill the promises that you gave to us, even though we don't even understand or know how you might do that. Give us faith. Give us that, that crazy faith to trust and follow you because we know that your track record is faithful and it's good that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Help us each to commit afresh today as we follow you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.